Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back to the History for Weirdos podcast, episode number 99. Woohoo, 99. One away from the big 100. It's so cool. That's so crazy that it's already here. It is. I honestly can't. I just, when we set off to do this, I couldn't imagine that we'd be getting to episode 100, if I'm being completely honest. No, same here. I didn't think we'd ever get to this part. I mean, we <laughs> have over a million downloads of the podcast. Almost two. Even. Almost two million. And that is thanks to you weirdos. Exactly. You guys are so incredible. And speaking of incredible, you yeah. guys have already messaged us quite a bit on giving us uh, questions to ask or to answer, excuse me, during our Ask Us Anything 100th episode. And also we've gotten quite a bit of really good stories. I've taken some cursory glances at a few of these yeah. and they're really good. Yeah. So keep them coming guys. You, if you want to submit your uh, short story for us to read, please do so at historyforweirdos at gmail.com. And just in the subject line, you put 100th episode. And we can read your weird history story on our episode. And then tomorrow, so when this episode drops on Monday the 21st, I'm going to be posting on our Instagram stories uh, for you all to ask us anything for the episode. We'll also be answering questions. Yes. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, this is a good plug, follow (laughs) us on Instagram at History for Weirdos. That was so expertly done. I love it. I've been doing this for 99 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely better than I am. <laughs> Not at all. Okay, well, without further ado, Steph, what do you have for us on our very last episode before the 100th, the big boy? I hadn't thought of it that way. No big, no pressure. There's zero pressure. Before we get into the 100s. Yeah. Well, I hope you all enjoy that today I have the story of the mysterious death of an old Hollywood star. Oh, I love it. This is the gr- this is just a great episode for, for it being the last episode of the double digits. Yeah, the last episode of the double digits. Today we are going to be talking about the somewhat unsolved, we'll we'll get to that part, mysterious death of Thelma Todd. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Yeah, let's hear it. So Thelma Todd was a prominent old Hollywood actress known for her comedic roles and her charm. She appeared in numerous films throughout the 1930s. Uh, Just in case I like to, sometimes I like to picture people in my head when I listen to podcasts. I wanted to provide a description of her. (laughs) She's Caucasian. She's kind of small in stature. Like she looks petite. Um, And she has that short platinum blonde hair in those finger waves. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's so quintessential of that time. It is. What, the 20s, right? 20s and 30s? 20s and 30s, yeah. And when you look at pictures of her, obviously, we will post on Instagram. She just looks so of that era. Her mm-hmm. features are very soft. She's got kind of dreamy eyes. Um, she just looks like an old Hollywood movie star, to be honest. We'll post it on her Instagram. Mm-hmm. She was also known by the nicknames, quote, the ice cream blonde. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. That's so random. Like, who comes up with this stuff? 
oh, she's the ice cream blonde. Like the ice cream blonde, you see? Weird old men, I bet. Because um, <laughs> ice cream isn't blonde. I don't know a single ice cream flavor. Maybe like a coffee flip. That's not blonde. I, a I banana? Ugh. Maybe like vanilla. Like it was so icy blonde. It looked oh, like vanilla. Oh, yeah. Like it was like kind of like what we would call platinum blonde maybe yeah, today. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So she was known as the ice cream blonde or hot toddy. Were so weird back then. <laughs> they were really okay, weird. Okay, people are still weird now. Who am yeah. I kidding? Yeah, I agree. Weird in a different way. Yeah. So Todd appeared in about 120 feature films. Oh, jeez. Between 1926 and 1935. Oh my God, that's a really short period of time for so many movies. Yeah. Yes. You will all get to why. Her life and legacy continue to captivate audiences to this day. Uh, she would definitely be known by like fil- classic film buffs. Mm-hmm. However, no amount of fame has been able to unravel the mysteries around her death. Oh my God, I'm I'm I am sold. I want to hear it. Was her death an accident? Was she murdered? Did she die due to mob involvement or a jealous lover? We're going to explore all of this and more in today's episode. I felt that old timey voice of yours like creeping through. I know. I can't contain her or him. (laughs) We don't know. Whoever's in there. (laughs) So let's start with her early life. She was born Thelma Alice Todd on July 29th, 1906 in Lawrence, Massachusetts to John Shaw Todd, an upholsterer from Ireland and Alice Elizabeth Edwards, an immigrant from Canada. She had an older brother named William, but he sadly died in an accident in 1910. Hmm. Todd was known as a bright and successful student, and she was intending to become a school teacher. She enrolled at the Lowell Normal School. A normal school? Here we go. Here we go. They come up again. Uh, It's now the University of Massachusetts Lowell campus. And she graduated high school in 1923. However, she also showed an early interest in performing arts and became a talented singer and actress in her teenage years. Very cool. In 1925, she won the title of Miss Massachusetts. And while representing her home state, she was spotted by a Hollywood talent scout. Oh, it's like the dream that everyone has, you know? That's exactly what I thought of. Yeah, that everyone has the dream that they're just like someone from a small town <laughs> yeah and a talent scout's gonna pluck them from the crowd yeah kind of like that happened to sarah michelle geller too right oh really i'm pretty sure that's what she said like when she was really young like she was just at a mall or something the mall stories yes. it's always what i thought would happen to me as a teenager same here and it never did and it really bugs me <laughs> yeah. so hollywood producers or talent, talent scouts talent scouts whatever you guys messed up we should hang out at the mall more. Maybe now is our time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the mall in 2023. Yeah, or maybe not. Who knows? Well, when she was discovered, she was offered a slot at the Paramount Players School in Queens, New York. So at this time, Paramount Studios was essentially like, you know, picking beautiful people out from the shadows and training them. Not just to be actors, but they were training them in diction, like how to speak properly, in athletics, so they could do different stunts and things like that, as well as how to behave and have good manners. 
So they're kind oh. of like, it was almost like a finishing school, like a refining sort of process. Right. For aspiring actors. And then in 1926, Thelma began her career acting in silent films, often cast in supporting roles and becoming known for her stunning beauty on camera. And then as the transition to talkies occurred, she actually took off. This was a good transition for her because audiences were able to see that she was comedic and charming. Mm, they, could, they could hear her voice. Yes. Some actors didn't do well during this transition. Right. They talk about that in the most recent Downton Abbey film, actually. That's like they the do. plot line. Yes. Oh, my God. I had forgotten about that. I never forget anything, Downton Abbey. Don't worry. That is 100% <laughs> accurate. Um, she appeared in a lot of Hal Roach's Our Gang comedy shorts as well. Hal Roach was, I think, a big time producer okay. of this era. His name was just a very big name to be associated with. And Todd's comedic timing and vivacious personality endeared her to audiences. She quickly became a prominent figure in Hollywood. Let me tell you a little bit more about this rise to stardom. So like I said, she appeared in a lot of successful films in the 30s. And she even performed alongside comedy legends like the Marx Brothers, Laurel and Hardy, and Charlie Chase. Charlie oh, wow. Chase is not one that I'm familiar with. Are you? Uh, no, but I, I've heard his name before. Okay. She's particularly remembered for her roles in uh, the film Horse Feathers, <laughs> which is quite a title in 1932, and Monkey Business, <laughs> another amazing title from 1931. Oh, my God. We should watch these. I know. They'd probably be so just Weird. absurd. Yeah. yeah. I bet they're strange. Like these classic films that we've seen, like the Maltese Falcon, I thought it was going to be it, very different than it was. I and mean, that's like, that's later on the, yeah. the period we're talking about now. The Maltese Falcon was really like visually pleasing, I right. thought. But the storyline, I was like. It was a little disjointed. The yeah. writing wasn't that great. And I was, and I'm like, this is a classic film. Yeah. It was a little odd. I'm sure we're pissing off some film buffs right now. <laughs> yeah. And I am so sorry. We well, except so sorry. I'm not that sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, Thelma Todd's performances were critically acclaimed, and she achieved the status as one of Hollywood's most sought-after leading ladies, which was not easy at this time. Of course not. And I'm going to get into that next. I want to talk about what old Hollywood really looked like. Oh, that's a good point. Because I think it provides a lot of context for our story. So the 1930s were a period of Hollywood's golden age. Mm-hmm with the film industry booming despite the challenges of the Great Depression. Film stars were seen as glamorous icons, and their images were carefully cultivated by studios to create a sense of allure and fantasy. Actors and actresses were often portrayed as larger-than-life figures, and their private lives were heavily guarded and curated to maintain a certain image. Yes. So if they decided that you were the sporty blonde you better only be seen as the sporty blonde. You know what I mean? Right. Or if you're kind of like the mysterious bad boy, that's that's it. That's it for you. You got like one trope and you had to stick to it even in your personal life. Right. It's so wild. And that's probably why they had them in earlier when you were mentioning that like finishing school. Yes. That's probably what they instilled in them. I'm guessing. Yeah, like they were probably already starting them down that path of whatever they're going to be typecasted as. This is your personal brand. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to like 
live it. Yes. And that's such a great point, babe, because we tend to think of like branding as something very modern, like something that started with the Kardashians. Right. But personal branding was such a huge part of old Hollywood and old Hollywood success. Exactly. Like, oh, he's the all American man, you know, like Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. Well, Humphrey Bogart was always like the gumshoe. The The gumshoe. Yes. The detective. He's the only old timey name that (laughs) came to my mind. He's very like noir. His aesthetic really fits that. Versus maybe someone that's like the golden boy who, you know, has a yacht and plays football, things like that. Right. Family man. Yeah. It's very, very interesting to see how our world is so different, right? It's been almost 100 years. And as audiences, we still respond to the same thing. We want people to be really simple. Yeah. That's what resonates. Exactly. Once you find out someone is a little bit more complex or nuanced, it just kind of messes with your mind. Yeah. You're like, oh, no, that's not easy and fun. You know, I'm not as interested. Even like Margot Robbie on this Barbie press junket, she's just being Barbie. right? Right. And we're starting to associate Margot Robbie with Barbie. During the challenging years of the Great Depression, movies really provided a form of escapism for audiences. Unsurprisingly, this is still a way so many of us like to cope (laughs) with the challenges of the world. I was going to say that's like that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. Film stars and their glamorous lifestyles really offered a sense of fantasy and hope, allowing people to temporarily forget their troubles. Wow. Yeah. Also during this time, the concept of the red carpet and glamorous film premieres originated. Isn't that interesting? I didn't know that. Wow. Movie studios organized elaborate premieres to generate buzz and excitement for their films, and film stars would make grand entrances in very fashionable attire, Ooh. which we still see today, but this didn't exist before this time. The 1930s also saw significant advancements in filmmaking technology, including the transition from silent films to talkies, as I mentioned, and the advent of sound revolutionized the industry and it created new opportunities for actors who had strong voices and good diction right the hollywood studio system was also at its peak during this time yes where they had monopolies right yes major studios like mgm warner brothers paramount and 20th century fox pretty much controlled everything as well as every aspect of a star's career and their personal lives Right, because at this point they had the the entire supply chain, mm-hmm. like from production, to post production to like the premiere distribution, all of it. They, they owned controlled. it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So they were super powerful, Oof. and you as an actor would typically be owned by a specific studio. So you'd be owned by Paramount or Fox or whatever. Yeah, and you could only work on those films. Yes, and whatever role they decided you fit like the sultry seductress that's it that's all you're ever gonna do wow which would be really shitty as an actor to be honest yeah no it absolutely would oh and my next note was many actors and actresses are under exclusive contracts yeah and the the studios essentially were just monsters wow so some things really do never (laughs) change (laughs) 
yeah, I think there's definitely remnants of that that we're seeing today during the two strikes going on. Right. There was also the Hollywood production code at this time. It was also known as the Hayes Code. And it imposed moral guidelines on the content of films, uh, the types of roles that actors portrayed, and even their personal lives. Wow. So stars were expected to maintain a wholesome and virtuous image in line with the Hayes Code. So that... That's interesting because it seems like it could present a conundrum, right? Like if you're like the bad boy, how do you have that? But then also how do you like reconcile that bad boy image with the Hayes Code? I think you would, it would be really bad even if you're like the renegade bad boy to be seen having like an extramarital affair. Oh, right. Because that would be like a morality issue. But you'd be like, oh, instead I'm going to wear the leather jacket and yeah. ride motorcycle kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. So it's supposed to be an image. And I, I'm positive, obviously, humans are humans. People did, quote unquote, bad things. Mm-hmm. But they just couldn't get caught. If they got caught, they'd get fired. <laughs> you can do bad things. Just don't get caught. <laughs> like in that episode of Domina, I'm not mad that she killed my nephew. I'm just I'm mad that she got caught. Yes. <laughs> Weirdos, if you haven't seen Domina, I know we've talked about it in a previous episode, but it's a great, great uh, TV show. Yeah, and it's about ancient Rome. Yes. So, so we watch need it. I say more? <laughs> <laughs> so despite the glamorous facade of Hollywood, many film stars faced challenges such as working insanely long hours because of their demanding contracts, and there was always intense competition. So there was this kind of like axe hanging over their head like well if you don't do it we'll just get another you know blonde to come in and do it instead right they almost like commoditize these people yes absolutely that's a good way of putting it wow as a result a lot of people struggled with their fame and maintaining a public image and often would deal with personal struggles and our girl Thelma is not immune to that and we'll get to that in a bit So let me tell you back specifically to Thelma Todd. Let me tell you a little bit more about her legacy because it goes beyond film. So in 1934, Thelma Todd and her lover, that's just how he's described in everything, film director Ronald West, they established Thelma Todd's Sidewalk Cafe, a popular restaurant and nightclub located on the Pacific Coast Highway in California it says Pacific Palisades, but I feel like it's more Santa Monica. The location is still there, and Andrew and I drive past it all the time. We do. My favorite surf spot is like right past it. Yeah. There's the Getty Villa also that's like right there. Yeah, a little it's ways It's a great down. location. It is. The cafe became a trendy hangout for Hollywood's elite. It attracted a lot of famous people and just prominent figures of the era. The building itself was originally built in 1928 by architect Mark Daniels. The ground floor of the building housed the restaurant. On the second floor, Todd and West lived in their adjoining Ocean View apartments. They each had their own apartment. Oh, nice. With only a sliding wooden door separating their bedrooms. Very scandalous. And they held parties in the adjacent private nightclub named Hoya, which means jewel, that took up the rest of the second floor. The third floor... It was in the shape of a hexagon, and that was where you would have the dance floor and, like, a big bandstand Ooh. for a jazz band. 
funny enough, I mentioned that room is named Hoya. They named it for West's ex-wife, Jewel Carmen, who was another silent film actress who also lived there. Okay, this is just weird. <laughs> it was a, Hollywood. It was an interesting situation. <laughs> yeah. So it was Todd's idea to open the cafe. She understood that Hollywood careers were short based off everything we talked about, especially for women who needed to always present as young and beautiful, right? Right. So she wanted to have another source of income. Very smart. Very smart. Entrepreneurial. I like it. Yeah. She worked really hard to market the cafe and she would grant numerous interviews to the press on the premises. So smart. Yeah. So that it, the cafe would get photographed a lot in her interviews and she would talk about her recipes for items that she was serving. Um, it was specialty seafood with lots of like crab, lobster, shrimp, oysters on the menu. Sounds so good. And a number of specialty drinks were named after her. She named the drinks after herself. Oh my God. There was the Todd Gin Sour and the Thelma Todd Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. The restaurant was a great success. As I mentioned, she was doing a good job of attracting the type of crowd they wanted. But now, weirdos, we're going to get to the hard part. Oh, I knew this was coming. Yes. On the morning of Monday, December 16th, 1935, the body of Thelma Todd was found doubled over on the front seat of her chocolate brown 1934 Lincoln convertible parked in a garage in the Pacific Palisades. She was wearing diamond jewelry dressed in a mauve and silver evening gown, wearing a mink coat. And she seemingly died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Mm. The skin on her face was red because she had struck her head, possibly on the steering wheel of the car. Todd's body was more, um, was, had been there for more than a day when she was found by her maid. And the garage where her car was parked belonged to the house of her on and off again lover, Ronald West, who I mentioned before. He's her business partner mm -hmm. and was located on a hilltop just above Todd's home, which was the, the cafe. Thelma Todd was only 29 when she died. Oh, my God. Younger than us. I was just about to say that's younger than we are. I know. That's so sad. So how Todd died is one of the enduring mysteries of Hollywood. Her death created like a media frenzy every single day in the headlines. There were, uh, her name was showing up talking about the investigation, talking about the death, interviewing the people that knew her. Mm -hmm. Everyone wanted to know what happened. So according to the police records, Todd had gone to the Trocadero, Trocadero, I wanted to say it correctly. <laughs> Trocadero nightclub on Sunset Boulevard on Saturday night for a party that was hosted in her honor by Ida Lupino, a British actor, actress, director, writer, and producer, and Ida's father, Stanley, who is also a famous performer. Their family, the Lupino family, is like a very, very famous British um, entertainment family. Got it. This was the evening before she died. Okay. Ida's throwing a party with her dad, <laughs> which is kind of interesting but cool, Yeah. for Thelma. So folks in attendance said that there was an altercation at the party with Thelma and her ex-husband, 
Pat de Ciccio. But after the fight, she was reportedly in good spirits and was then dropped off at home by her chauffeur just before four in the morning. Okay. Damn, she partied late. I know. <laughs> that's that's impressive. That's impressive. I know like bars and clubs in LA don't even like stay open that late. No. Yeah. So the chauffeur testified that he dropped her off at the foot of the stairs on PCH that led up to her apartment. But let me tell you, as before we continue with the investigation, a teeny bit, a quick aside about her ex-husband, who she got in that fight with. So his name was Pasquale, or Pat DiCiccio, and he was an American agent, movie producer, and alleged mobster oh. working for the infamous Lucky Luciano. The relationship with Thelma and DiCiccio was volatile, and he was known to be abusive, physically abusive to her. Uh, she wound up in the hospital one time. It was so bad. Oh, my God. And she that prompted her to file for divorce. And uh, without him knowing, I believe, she changed in her will that he would inherit $1 from her. That's, like, better than nothing because <laughs> that's, like, an extra, like, F you. Yeah. So I think he found out after her death that he got $1. So people think, so I just want you to keep that in mind. And particularly the name Lucky Luciano, he's going to come in again. So people think Todd may have wound up in the garage after realizing that she locked herself out of her home, which apparently she did often. She'd forget her keys. Oh, that's like you. I was literally about to say me too, girl. I would always, I always forget my (laughs) keys. Always. (laughs) And that she decided to climb, it was 270 stairs up to the garage where she decided to sit in her car and get warm. That's what people are thinking. Such a weird hypothesis. Yeah. That like, oh, she must have, she didn't have her keys on her. So she must have forgotten her keys. Okay. And then decided like, oh, let me walk up to the garage and sit in the car, which is odd. And I'm wondering why the garage didn't require a key. Right, or her car. Mm-hmm. I don't know if key or car, they had, no, they definitely had keys. Yeah, I'm almost certain. So she would have needed it to turn it on. Yeah. Very odd. Very You'll see, odd. there's lots of weird stuff in this case. So the police rushed to judgment, almost immediately calling her death a suicide. Of course they did. But her obituary in the Los Angeles Times, which came out December 17th, 1935, mentioned that Todd was being extorted for $10,000. And that's $221,490 in today's money. Oh, wow. So almost a quarter of a million dollars. Okay, so that's, that's a good sum of money. And according to the LA Times, two people had already been arrested in New York in connection with this extortion crime. Wow. Okay. Also, there was no note from Thelma stating that she intended to die, which isn't like definitive, but that is typical. And she had more than 100 gift wrap presents under her tree in her apartment that she like wrapped herself for people. There's no way like a person that's going to commit suicide does that. Is thinking like, oh, I'm going to hand this out to everyone, you know? Right. She was also due on set of a movie the day her body was found, which is why her body was found. Like, she didn't show up for work. 
And none of this seems to be like someone who's planning to die. Granted, we don't know for certain, but it leads you to question, why would you jump to death by suicide? Yeah, that's that's a weird assumption to make. Mm-hmm. Lastly, her car was parked neatly inside the garage and the driver's side door was open and the window was rolled down. The driver's side door open, window rolled down. Okay. It seems unlikely if she had intended to die by carbon monoxide poisoning that she would do those things. Yeah, exactly. Right? So people were really upset that the police very quickly ruled this suicide and all of the information that was coming out in the LA Times suggested otherwise. So as a result of the backlash, um, there was, quote, further investigation and they changed her death to accidental death by carbon monoxide poisoning which was a decision made by a grand jury. Interesting. This is getting more and more interesting. Yeah, because there were still things that weren't fully explained. So while the ignition was on in the car, there the tank was full of fuel, and it would have been drained if it had been going for over a day. Exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. Also, according to the LA Times, Todd's mother told police that she had, quote, a weak heart, and she didn't often climb up stairs, like steep stairs. So it was unlikely that she would have climbed the 270 steps up the steep hill to get in her car. And then the shoes she was wearing, the heels, didn't show signs of, like, wear on the bottom. Mm-hmm. It was almost like they were new for that party, and it didn't look like she'd climbed up that many stairs, which I think is interesting. Very interesting. And then some people even question the autopsy results, like some, you know, like armchair historians like us arguing that because you can actually see the autopsy. It made no sense to me because <laughs> I don't know science things, but it you know, some science things. I know some science things, but apparently the carbon monoxide levels in her body were not high enough to cause death. Uh, often i don't know if i even wrote this in my notes a lot of people were saying like oh she did these weird things because she was so drunk i did see her tox screen for alcohol and the autopsy and it was so low it was nothing it was like she had maybe a couple drinks wow so the people think that foul play may be the reason she died i mean i can't like definitively say yes like based off of everything but like the idea that she committed suicide seems to me very unlikely. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so we're going to get into those murder theories. Nice. So in terms of murder, West, her lover, was the prime suspect with the theory that he he lived with her, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't go to the party. The theory is that he deliberately locked Todd out of the home when he realized that she had forgotten her keys because he was furious at her for having relationships with other men. He was known for being really jealous and really controlling with her. Mm. There is a rumored, and I'm going to emphasize rumored, deathbed confession from Ronald West to his friend um, who was an actor named Chester Morris. Chester Morris said that when West died, he told him that he... Followed, he locked her out, followed her, followed her up to the garage, and locked her in the garage. Unaware that she would turn on the car to keep warm in the cold December night, and that she died in the process. 
I want to emphasize that this was a rumor. No one else is ever able to verify what Chester Morris said. And this was many years later. But I think that's interesting. It, to me, even as a deathbed confession, seems like he's only telling part of the truth. Right. That does. That still doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Another suspect was her abusive ex-husband, who we mentioned, DiCiccio, whom she had an argument with at the party. And not only was their marriage volatile and their divorce bitter, but as I mentioned, he was a mob enforcer for Lucky Luciano. But aside from his violent history and his mob ties, there isn't any further evidence connecting him to the crime scene specifically. It's just people right. are like, this dude must have had something to do with it. Yeah, because he he's was, in the mob. Because he's in the mob and he had hurt her before. But I didn't see any like forensic evidence. So let me tell you a bit more about the mobster, Lucky Luciano. Yeah. Thelma Todd met him um, through her husband, DiCiccio. He was a mobster who was involved in prostitution, drugs, and gambling operations throughout Los Angeles. Thelma had an affair with him, which also turned into a violent relationship. He would supply her with amphetamines to keep her weight down. Eesh. Because this was a battle she constantly was experiencing, which I know is the case for so many actresses of her time up to actresses today, right? Mm -hmm. The weight and body standards are insane. That famous producer I mentioned, Hal Roach, he told her that if she gained five pounds or more, she wouldn't be able to work anymore in his films. Oh my god these guys were like horrible humans horrible human beings what insane pressure to live with right Right. exactly like that's just unspeakable to treat someone that way so she was getting amphetamines from him they had an affair they were arguing and todd's attorney believed that luciano slash just the mob was to blame for her death he requested a second inquest into looking into Lucky Luciano specifically. His theory was that Luciano proposed that Todd convert her cafe into a secret gambling parlor because he had done this. Like mm -hmm. he was aware Thelma told him he wants me to turn this into a gambling par parlor so he can make money off of it. And she told him no. And the lawyer thinks that he killed her for vengeance. Oh, for like retaliation. Mm hmm. That opens himself to a bunch of exposure. That's true. And he still doesn't get the cafe. It's not like right. uh, she willed it to him or anything. Exactly. Like, I can understand him being like violent, but the fact is like, this isn't just like a crime of passion. This is like, like, you know, if indeed she was murdered, like this is a, a huge, this is well thought out. Right. Or not really well thought out clearly, but like, you know, like it's not just like a, crime of passion and then like someone fl flees it's like this was like staged and everything mm -hmm. but someone who was committing you know terrible crimes like luciano could just hate people telling him no that's a good point and then he's like okay i'll like stage her death then yeah could just be so evil and controlling that he just couldn't stand her not doing what he wanted right even like, and he doesn't even care that that could open him up to a bunch of exposure, like killing a Hollywood actor mm -hmm. or actress, you know, that 
that's going to draw attention. And that's like usually what these guys don't want. That's true. That's true. But again, like you said, like that's the logical side, but he could be acting illogically if he didn't do right. kill her. Right. Yeah. Well, apparently uh, people were able to share that Luciano was berating her um, about this, you know, gambling parlor idea until they one night they were having dinner at the Brown Derby. And people overheard her yelling over my dead body, to which he allegedly replied, that can be arranged. Oh. That doesn't sound good. That does not sound good at all. Uh, It's also possible that he could have paid off the cops. Right. And that would make so much sense. Yeah. To do a superficial investigation and look the other way after he murdered Todd. uh, Because it was later, you know, verified that a lot of cops were on his payroll oh my god so that inquest requested by her attorney was declined by the lapd why am i not surprised (laughs) that doesn't look good either Um, however in contradiction to the murder theory lapd officers reported that there were no signs of a struggle and no bruises on her body i think it's noted in the autopsy too there's no like defensive wounds right I was, and that was kind of like my next question. So that, like, why would she willingly kind of sit there and let, you know, someone murder her through carbon monoxide poisoning? I don't know. Unless she was injected in, with some sort of, like, Some sort of poison, yeah. Yeah. hmm And that's actually what killed her. Right. Yeah. That's, a, that's interesting. Right. And then, like, they definitely, like autopsies would not have found like little like marks somewhere like on her arm or Mm -hmm. her like back of her neck or anything like that yeah because their technology in 1935 just was not what we would have today obviously so i do think their ability to search to screen for certain poisons and paralytics and things like that would have been limited absolutely so with all of these contradictory facts and various theories the truth is, we may never get an answer to what happened to Thelma Todd. No. Even after everyone brought up their suspicions, people in her life came forward and, you know, accused West or accused uh, Luciano. Her death remained officially ruled an accident. Okay. As for the cafe, according to the Los Angeles Times article from 2002, West, her ex-lover or her lover, on and off lover, Continued running the business after her death, but without her, its popularity really waned. He and Carmen, his ex-wife, finally, like, separated whatever they were doing together. Mm -hmm. And he married a singer called Lola Lane, who inherited the property when he died. Lane was a devout Catholic and invited a priest called Father Bud Kaiser to run his religious entertainment production company out of the premises. Oh, my God. Eventually, she actually deeded the business, the building, to this production company, which was called Paulist Productions. Like, Paul? Yeah. So weird in and of itself. That's a weird, yeah, that's a weird thing. What does a priest need a production company for? I don't understand. That's some... That's weird. That's a... I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. Well, the property was eventually put up for market. I don't know who gets it after the production company. Because the next record I found was that it was put on the market in 2014 for $8 million. 
and it was bought in 2015 and then it just sat there we saw yeah we've seen it today like just the other weekend it's it's been sitting there until recently we saw that there's like a a sign out front finally there's an ad agency that's renting the space they don't own it but they're renting it and it is considered an official historic landmark yes but i don't know who owns it now that was annoying that i couldn't figure that out (laughs) we're gonna have to we should dig through the county records we'll be back we'll be back on this (laughs) (laughs) so only one thing is for certain in this very bizarre story hollywood lost an icon too soon Thelma Todd's untimely death at the really young age of 29 shocked the entertainment industry and her fans. And although her life was tragically cut short, her contributions to the golden age of Hollywood have not been forgotten, and her films are still beloved by many classic movie enthusiasts. And her captivating persona remains an enduring part of just Hollywood history. And despite the mystery surrounding her death, her talent and impact impact, excuse me, continue to be celebrated. She was laid to rest at Bellevue Cemetery in Lawrence, Massachusetts, and has been immortalized with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And that, my weirdos, is the sad and mysterious death of Thelma Todd. Wow. You know what's crazy is, I feel like I, I know a decent amount about like Golden Age Hollywood. I hadn't even heard of her before. Really? This episode, yeah. Never even heard of her. I grew up in Santa Monica. Weirdos may know that. And so I had heard of um, the death in her, like, I was told it was like in the cafe, but it would have been up the hill right, from the cafe. But I was aware that it was like a famous old Hollywood place and wow. that someone died. That was pretty much it. <laughs> that's pretty much, <laughs> that's all I knew. Yeah. So this, I, I really didn't know anything about her or her contributions to film or that she was an entrepreneur. And it was really interesting to look into her life but it was just sad because it does seem like something was covered up right i don't know what there's i mean whether she was murdered or not like something's definitely covered up yeah the they everything was just resolved way too quickly right and people are like well what about this what about that what about this you know and they're like uh yeah it was an accident i guess case closed we're moving on don't ask questions mm-hmm. and an accidental death of course those happen all the time you know but that's just such an easy cop-out no pun intended oh <gasps> no pun intended truly <laughs> <laughs> and before we wrap up let me just quickly share my sources in case anyone's interested the golden globes website had a ton of information oh that's nice so just goldenglobes.com. there was an article by brad schreiber called Death in Paradise, Thelma Todd, which is really helpful. There's a website called The Vintage Woman Magazine. It is so cool and so full of information. Oh, so cute. The pictures. That sounds just like you. I like wonder if it's a you. real magazine because I would subscribe. <laughs> I would want to get it in the mail. It was so cute. That had amazing details on the story. And then, of course, I needed to piece it all together with Wikipedia. <laughs> It's always it's always good for that. Always good. Yeah. And weirdos, that is it for this week's episode. Please don't forget to participate in our 100th episode, which is next. I know, guys. It's coming up really soon. We're going to be recording it on this, actually, this upcoming Wednesday. The, what is it, like the 23rd or something? Yes. So get your stories into us by then. Again, you just email historyforweirdos at gmail 
in the subject line 100th episode. And again, tomorrow on Instagram, you can ask us questions that we'll answer when we record on Wednesday. Yeah, guys, I'm so excited. We're so excited. Thank you so much, weirdos. We can't wait to come back and welcome you to episode 100 yeah it's coming up very soon and the location it's we're gonna keep we're keeping that under a tight lid for now but we're gonna be at a special location for that episode yeah so you're gonna want to check in on that one yeah check in on instagram for a early sneak peek follow us on instagram follow (laughs) us on instagram if you haven't done it so already at history for weirdos (laughs) (laughs) well weirdos until next time adios adios